0: everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and I'm so privileged to have you join us again on this series on nurse leadership. Today, I have such a pleasure to introduce Elizabeth Steger to the podcast. She's a Senior Vice President of Clinical Practice Integration and Chief Nursing Executive with an impressive track record as a collaborator, an inspirational leader, and an outcomes-focused nurse and nurse strategist anchored in relationship-based care and highly skilled in change management. She joined St. Luke's in June of 2021 and immediately began developing and leading efforts to innovate, integrate, and improve care delivery across the St. Luke's health system, helping to guide strategic direction and leadership across all sites of care during and after COVID-19. Her work has resulted in new care delivery design and models that optimize quality, safety, and access for healthcare consumers, while creating stronger structures and teams within the nursing workforce. Her leadership in creating and implementing recovery and regeneration for the workforce has made a difference for clinical stakeholders and patients alike. Along her te- Alongside her team of nurse leaders, colleagues, and community of stakeholders, she continues to innovate and lead initiatives to improve patient care and the nursing workforce. It's such a pleasure to have Elizabeth here with us today. And so I, I just want to just welcome you to the podcast, Elizabeth. So thankful you're here with us.
1: Thanks, Samal. So I'm glad to be here today.
0: Yeah. So oh, it's it's worth noting too. So Elizabeth uh has her, her bachelor's in, in science and nursing from University of Mary Harden Baylor and also her master's of science degree in nurse administration from University of Texas, Arlington, putting it all to work here. Uh, so you know, we're gonna talk a lot about the importance of of taking care of not only our clinicians to take care of our patients, but taking care of ourselves. And so before we dive into that. Elizabeth, I'd love to know more about what inspires your work in healthcare.
1: Oh, uh, Saul, so I think my my love for people has been the thread throughout my my career. Just being able to contribute to uh, someone's quality of life is pretty inspirational. I think as I was uh, choosing a career, I definitely thought about serving the sick. That was my my uh, big goal in becoming a nurse, and what first hooked me. I remember I started out in the operating room. And so the pediatric scoliosis surgeries was my favorite. I love scrubbing those cases. And you'd see at the beginning of the case, a child with this really crooked spine, and then they'd leave the OR with just a much straighter spine. Um, so that hands-on seeing uh, kind of healing in action, honestly, firsthand was, was the initial draw. And inspiration. Then I started understanding more about influence and seeing, you know, by precepting, I became an educator. I was really inspired by the fact that we could impact more people's lives in some of these kinds of roles, which later led me to administration for the same reason uh, learning to lead through influence, being able to work with such capable and dedicated teams. And that became the inspiration. And then I would say within the last year, just progressing to this role here at St. Luke's, I was truly inspired by the system because of the way that they had embraced population health and starting to understand that there is a place for every piece of my career, obviously, in the healthcare continuum. But Thinking about really preventing illness and more promoting wellness, meeting people where they are on their health journey, that really got me excited. And I thought, what a great way to spend this part of my career in a senior leadership role in a system that's got that kind of commitment. So a a lot of inspiration. One thing with uh, nursing, I've never been disappointed in any um, aspect of my career. I just love it.
0: That's wonderful. Thanks for taking us to the beginning there with the with the scoliosis and 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 how things have pulled you to go from the bedside, which is so critical to now the system level driving efforts like population health and and care at scale. you're You're driven by this relationship based care approach. and and I'm really intrigued just uh, by by some of the models and, and things that you've designed. Can you share more about what you guys are doing there at St. Luke's that is adding value to the healthcare ecosystem?
1: I'd love to do that. I don't know how familiar everyone is with St. Luke's. So just briefly, um, eight medical centers, three rehab communities, a little under 350 clinics and centers, uh, the only not-for-profit health system based in Idaho. Uh, The name's been trusted for about 125 years. And so it's, it's an impressive system. In so many ways, we're imagining healthcare, reimagining healthcare in a lot of different areas and understanding how important culture is. Quality safety has always been a good part of what we do, but how we engage our consumers, how we engage our communities, um, and how we are good students of really the resources that we have is just becoming increasingly important. Uh, we we touch roughly 520,000 patients annually, and so when you think about the the continuum of care and all of the services we provide, it's it's pretty immense. And thinking about patient outcomes, we've been been a strong performer in inpatient care and ambulatory care for a while the awards and all those things to prove it. Uh, The designation for magnet recently in the Treasure Valley. So congratulations
0: uh, on that. That's a big deal.
1: Thank you. A lot of of great work there. But what we have realized is we really want to contribute um, to the people in our community before they become our patients. And so that's been the most recent uh, development, I would say, over the last several years, we're fully accountable for 260,000 Idahoans in southern Idaho. And that's a footprint of roughly a million people. So a pretty large span there. And we really are, are doing, I think, a, a great job of balancing that individual health need with the needs of the population. And so A lot of touch points, and we're really holding ourselves accountable to delivering value-based, high-quality care focused on accessibility and affordability. And I think moving upstream, we're also contributing to the ecosystem in a number of ways. One, we provide significant um, funding and partnership with a lot of our community agencies, supporting housing, behavioral health services, food security, and for vulnerable members of our our community. And we, of course, provide a lot of care uh, to those who need it as well. We're really also committed to supporting workforce needs. For our community into the future. We are a large employer, so that makes a big difference. But I think right now, with our challenges in workforce throughout the healthcare community, we are also inviting 2,000 clinical students per year from 50 unique disciplines into our care sites and uh, supporting their learning. So I feel like that's another way we're paying it forward. Um, and
0: not into that ecosystem that's that's just incredible and you know it, it's um, it's those health systems that are able to to integrate uh, across the not only the continuum of care but the continuum of life, right and you you talk about some of the things uh, around like the social determinants of health and things that make care delivery excellent care delivery possible. Uh, you guys have touched on a lot of those. It's admirable to be part of a, an organization that, that thinks about engagement with patients, even before, even before their patients, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's uh that's a, a fantastic organization to be a part of. If you had to think about anything, Elizabeth, around what you believe makes uh, um, St. Luke's different or stand out, what would you say that that is?
1: I think one thing that stands out for me, and again, Being here only a year, I feel like I come in with some pretty fresh eyes. There is a super clear vision and strategy. And what I see is us really holding ourselves to that and keeping it at the forefront each and every day. We know who we are. We know what we're trying to accomplish on behalf of of our communities. And I think that clarity, it really supports our focus. And one of the things that we're doing right now, after our intense focus on the pandemic, like every other healthcare system, we're really trying to have clarity in what we need to take on so that we can ensure that we don't overwhelm our teams and that we are staying focused on the most important needs of our our communities. You know, we are a, a regional delivery system. And so it allows us to still be really sensitive to the unique needs of our communities because they are a little bit different. I think something else I've already mentioned is is just that strong reputation and more importantly trust that we do have after being in the Idaho environment for all of these years. We're also fortunate that we have the financial stability that we can try some new things and so One of the new things that I would say we're not trying, that we are doing, is we're adding a health plan. And that, yeah, it's a big move. It's not only going to allow us to be accountable to value based care, but to really align all the incentives. You know, we need that. You were talking about integration, we need that vertical integration between payer and providers. And that's how we're designing our new health plan. We see the full continuum. So we know we're gonna be able to foster that collaboration. We know our patients and communities are gonna benefit doing some really innovative things like uh, in thinking about decreasing the cost of care and making our care more accessible as well as affordable. We're gonna eliminate most of the uh, prior authorizations because our providers are going to uh, really be placing additional focus on evidence-based care and we're looking at for a lot of things zero co-pays because we want our community to access our services when they need it not put it off because it's it's a financial burden and uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about where this is going and I know It's uh, still new. It's still in development. We'll start uh, beginning of 2023 with uh, initial enrollment. We're going to start small, but we expect that this is going to be something to really make a big difference over time.
0: Wow. That's amazing, Elizabeth. And um, kudos to you and the leadership team there for making bold moves, uh, you know, in the environment that we're in, Bold, it's going to take bold moves to to move the needle. And you know what? You guys are so integrated and embedded there that these types of moves, I would say, are not risky. They're 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 calculated and they're and they're meant to serve the greater good. So I'm excited to hear you talk about some of these things and to hear about the the potential that that you guys will have with value based care around some of the initiatives. You know, and and, and so. There was COVID. There's been challenges with, you know, workforce engagement. What would you say is one of the biggest setbacks that you've experienced, and and a key learning that's come out from that?
1: Well, being that my time here has been uh, just this last year, I think it's pretty easy to say the pandemic was definitely the biggest setback. I, I know I don't have to say this to this audience, but the disruption in access our communities just that is devastating for some some people and you know that is hard on us because we want to make sure that our, our doors uh, whether it's a clinic door or a hospital door is always open and i know we had surgeries that had to be postponed like other places and and just really changed things for our patients it also as you know took a huge toll on our teams, seeing like other places across the country, huge staffing gaps at times resulting from that, which has then created a dependency on travelers, which has certainly had both continuity implications at times as well as financial implications. And so that, that was definitely the biggest disruption. With that though, The silver lining is the learning uh, that you mentioned. And I think one of the things that we learned is our model of care does work because people did still have access to primary care physicians. We really ramped up our virtual care and we had all of uh, what we needed to be in place to get that going and going quickly. Our telehealth services, we had remote patient monitoring. All of that was highly successful during this time when people couldn't easily get into the doors because we were overflowing with patients, especially during crisis standards. We saw, and this is no surprise, but exceeded all expectations how innovative and creative our teams were. They would just repurpose spaces. They just shift how they were delivering care based on what was needed in the moment, and the resources that were available. And so we knew our team was smart and dedicated, but they're super gritty and they proved it uh, during this time. I think uh, the unity of purpose and caring for those who in need was unprecedented. And that was true of our community, how they stepped up and really felt that support in that way. We also saw within our, our walls All of the different disciplines, how we work together in ways maybe we hadn't before. A a great example is we had clinical dieticians who were in the ICU anyway, taking care of these very sick COVID patients. And they said, hey, we can learn to help the nurses from patients. And they did. Uh, We had therapists Mm -hmm. who said, we're in the room anyway doing treatment. Why don't you let us help with the feeding of that patient? And then countless nurses left their, their routine jobs and um, sometimes even desk jobs just to go where they were most needed and, and dust off some of those skills and competencies that maybe they hadn't used in a little bit. But, um, you know, there was there was a lot of learning. We had a lot of iterations of some of the processes that we were trying to put in place quickly. But I do think today we are much better prepared for any kind of disruptive event that comes our way based on how we learn to work together and i would say lastly you alluded to this at the the beginning and i i say this is probably one of the most important learnings is just how valuable it is to invest deeply deeply in the well-being of our workforce We had some really good wellness programs in place and with the pandemic it was not enough so we just continually, added uh, programs to support the whole continuum of care wellness all the way through truly crisis intervention uh, in the moment. And uh, we're going to continue to do that because we've realized the, the benefit in just regeneration of our teams through those kinds of efforts.
0: That's amazing. yeah, you know, Elizabeth, uh, well, kudos to you and the team and everybody listening. If you're a caregiver, thank you, right? <laughs> I mean, we we got through this. you did so much. Thank you, thank you. Without you, our communities, our families wouldn't be as safe as they are. and and we're so far ahead now, but there's so much left to go. And Elizabeth, you called out, we we've made so much progress and, you know, just in virtual care and, and how we take care of patients, the front door to healthcare continues to shift and change. What would you say is one healthcare trend or technology that's going to change healthcare as we know it today?
1: Oh, there's so many, it's hard to choose. <laughs> I think something that's been on my mind a lot lately is really consumerism. And when I think about that particular trend, humans are the center of what we do, the foundational center of everything we do, every decision we make, every action action taken. It's just all around people. And so we naturally want to uh, balance what our consumers want in the way of convenience or service. Uh, with the efficiencies needed by the healthcare providers, I think it's a little bit daunting, actually, to think about how how challenging that might be, especially in light of the challenges we're having with filling all of our workforce needs. And so, how do we make sure that we're super accessible when our patients or consumers want us? and at the same time balance the well-being of those providing. So that's, a, I think, going to change how we do work. I also see so many competitors entering into the market in these various areas of episodic care, and they are able to focus solely on one piece of that care. And so I think some of that convenience to the consumer, they can definitely offer that in a pretty amazing way. But how will that then impact the continuum of the patient's care or the um, individual's care and in wellness if some of those things are done in isolation? And so I think that's going to be another opportunity for us to really work through what that, what that looks like. You know, listening to our communities, anticipating what needs they're going to have as well, is is going to be another really important area of focus for us. Uh, it's it's gonna be more important than ever in just us staying relevant.
0: That's wonderful, Elizabeth. And yeah, you know, you guys are certainly focused, listening, and that, that consumer aspect, gosh, I mean you, you you mentioned it, right? I mean, with the entrant of consumer companies, the large ones. Uh, into our space, and and then smaller startups that are wanting to get these little niche areas, it's become even more important for for all of us to 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 listen. So, folks, make sure you're listening to your community and 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 responding to what you hear, because it's certainly going to make the difference. Elizabeth, this has been so stimulating. I, I just want to I, I could talk to you for another hour here, uh, but you know, unfortunately, we've got a limited time today, so. First, I just want to say thank you. This has been super interesting and I've enjoyed our time together. What closing thought would you leave all of us with? And where's the best place that listeners could follow you and and connect with you and the work that you do?
1: Thanks, Saul. I've I've enjoyed the time too. Um, And I promise I won't talk for another hour. (laughs) My closing thought I think has to be about... Those who might be listening, uh, working in healthcare, you know, we talked a lot about people and relationships, and, and you had a bit of a warning that that was always where my head goes and my heart goes. But when I think about the broader scope, even outside of healthcare, you know, we as a world are in the midst of a lot of just division and chaos. I see healthcare. I envision healthcare as a place that people can come where they can be comfortable. It could truly be a place of solace, and I want it to be a place of solace for for those that are entering into care. I think our healthcare workers—they're the hearts and hands of service, of care, of compassion. I want that environment just to feel safe for all of those that we serve. I'm still inspired by the idea. So we really have the opportunity every single day to lift other people up by being present in the moment. And of course, that's not just our patients. It's our our colleagues in the settings that we work in as well. You know, for those providing care, there is some individual responsibility in managing our own health and well-being. When there's so much to do, it's, it's easy to feel like there's not time. And frankly, we have difficulty admitting sometimes when we need a break. But I think the pandemic has shown us that to bring our best selves to others, we've got to address our own resilience and our regeneration needs. And I think lastly, we've seen that employers really have a a role to play in service to our teams in this area. And so creating an organizational culture that promotes wellness and supports Our employees, it's not only the right thing to do, but as we talked about toward the end of this podcast, it's going to be imperative in retaining the talent that we do have and sustaining them through the difficult days ahead. So I think flexibility, efficiency, creating that engaging culture, that's just going to be key.
0: Love that, Elizabeth. Yeah, you know, I love that. It's a good takeaway here. Doing doing all these things for our employees, it's not the right thing. Only it's an obligation and uh, great way to to close us off, Elizabeth. If people want to reach you and follow your work, where can they do that?
1: Oh, so one way is LinkedIn, Elizabeth Steger, and you know certainly I'm here at St. Luke's, so there's uh, an opportunity to reach out to me that way as well.
0: Love it. Elizabeth, just want to thank you again for for the insights you've shared and looking forward to staying in touch.
1: Thanks. You too, Saul.